Well, I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28 will be our text this morning as we continue walking through this gospel, this account of Jesus' life and his ministry. Once again, I want to say thank you to our worship team that in the absence of Pastor Scott, who is on sabbatical, they have stepped up so well in leading us in worship. Church, give them a hand in that. As we look this morning at the text together, if you're new to North River Church, I just want you to know that as we gather each week, we open God's Word together and we walk verse by verse through a passage of Scripture. That's our habit. That's what we do, uh, oftentimes alternating between New Testament book and Old Testament book. And uh, over the last seven and a half years, we are 18 books into the Bible, which has 66 And so Mark is the 19th book. We began that series a few weeks ago, and Lord willing, in about a year or so, we will finish this series through the Gospel of Mark. As we think through that this morning, I experience something every single year like clockwork. My bill from Spectrum comes in and my rate goes up. Anybody else identify with that? And here's what is going on. They say, listen, we we get you in, and uh, we have you at a special rate, but it's only good for 12 months, and then the rate goes up. And so every year, like clockwork, I pick up the phone, and I call Spectrum, and I say, I just got my bill and my rate went up, to which they say, Mr. Kennedy, you don't know how good of a deal you have been getting over the last 12 months. It is unheard of in our industry. I say, I know all that. I hear you. Can you lower my bill to what I was previously paying? To which they respond, no, it's not possible. And I say in return, who has the authority to make it possible? And they say, oh, let me transfer you to retention. The people in retention have the authority to make it happen. And so after about 40 minutes on the call, we eventually get to the right person who has the authority to say, we can lower your bill. Authority matters. And as we look this morning, we are going to encounter this realization in the text by the crowd who is listening to Jesus, by a demon-possessed man who is encountering Jesus, by the region in which he's in, hearing about what Jesus has done. They're going to walk away with a very clear realization that Jesus Christ has authority that they never even dreamed was possible. And so this morning, as we look at the text, that is going to be our focus. 
I've shared with you as we walk through the gospel of Mark, I want you to know that in the other gospels, there are accounts of the same stories, and some of them go into more detail. Some of them give a little more color to the scene as Mark is just very direct and very clear as he is unpacking for us what's going on in Jesus' life and ministry. So you'll see those parallel passages up on the screen this morning, Matthew chapter 4. Verses 23 through 25, Matthew is even a broader brush stroke than Mark is in the story. And then Luke, in Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 37, I encourage you in your time with the Lord this week to simply spend some time working through those passages of Scripture. I want to read the text for us, and then we'll walk back through it together. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 21, this is God's Word. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I know it's in your handout, but Here's the main idea as we consider this passage of Scripture this morning. It's this truth. Jesus' authority should amaze us and energize us as we fulfill his mission. Jesus' authority, the reality of who Jesus Christ is, should amaze us. It should knock us back on our feet, just simply in awe of the reality of who he is and what he has done. But it also should energize us, motivate us, encourage us as we seek to fulfill the mission that he has given us to fulfill, and that is to make disciples of all nations As we think through that, I want to remind you that Mark's aim was laid out for us in week one. 
Mark wants us to understand something very clearly, and everything that is written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in this gospel account is simply holding up the foundation of these truths that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the Savior that we desperately need to save us from our sins, and he is the Son of God. He is unlike anyone who has ever walked the face of this earth. And Mark is encouraging us and challenging us week after week after week as we're going to walk through the reality of who Jesus Christ is. The spotlight in Mark's gospel is on Jesus the entire time. Because if we see Jesus for who he truly is, if we see him for the authority that he has, for what he has done on our behalf and laying his life down, taking the wrath of our sin upon himself, if we see him for who he truly is, it cannot help but energize us to fulfill the mission of telling people about him. I want you to know that there's a map you're going to see here in just a little bit that's going to come up on the screen. It's going to be helpful for you if you can see that, and you may need to, uh, to zoom in a little bit. But what we've been encountering is Jesus in this region called Galilee. And we talked last week about the Sea of Galilee, that as Jesus was walking along, he came and called his first four disciples to himself and told them to follow me. And then we see, if you notice there, kind of at the top of the Sea of Galilee, you're going to see Capernaum. That is the location where this is about to take place. And then we're going to hear the region of Galilee being discussed. So just kind of have in your mind that this is where these things are taking place. So let's look then at verse 21. And let's look first at the truth that the crowd was astonished by Jesus's authority. The crowd was astonished, amazed, transfixed by Jesus's authority. Look at verse 21 and 22. And they went into Capernaum, that's the city that you saw there on the map, and immediately on the Sabbath, that was the Jewish day of worship, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. So the thing about a synagogue, the temple for the Jews was located in Jerusalem, but they had various outposts in cities that were called synagogues. So if there were 10 to 12 Jewish men who were age 12 and above, they were able to set up a location where they could study God's word, the Old Testament. And so that was the location that this is taking place, this synagogue that was in this city called Capernaum. It was a fishing city. It was a city where there was a lot that was going on, but there was a strong presence of the Jews in this city. And what would happen is that there would not necessarily be a priest in that particular location, but there would be rabbis, teachers, that would travel through the area, and they would invite them in to unpack God's word from the Old Testament and to teach them. And so Jesus is going in with his four new disciples to Capernaum, and he is entering into the synagogue, and it says that he was 
teaching. I want you to notice in verse 22, though, there's something different about Jesus' teaching than anybody else who had gone into Capernaum in this synagogue to teach. Notice what it says. And they were astonished at his teaching. Why? For he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. You got to understand the context of what's going on here. The scribes would have been the PhDs in theology for that day. They would have been the ones who were the most learned, the most educated, and, and I don't know if you know this or that, but the people with the most education aren't always the smartest people. You ever notice that? So for them, they were in the synagogues and they were teaching, but Jesus comes onto the scene and Jesus begins to teach and people begin to look around and begin to elbow their neighbor and to go, hey, we, we hadn't heard anything like that before. Like that guy is teaching as one who has authority and not as the scribes. You see, they lecture on about all of these, these ideas about God, but, but it doesn't seem like maybe they really know him. They just know a lot of information, but Jesus comes onto the scene and begins to teach, and they look around, and they go, this is crazy. They're astonished, and the word they're astonished is, is more than just surprised or amazed. There's a, there's a sense of fear that they're encountering in this moment. Now, here's what we know that they're encountering in this moment the Son of God. There's a reason that they should experience this astonishment and this, this fear deep down inside because they are hearing the Word from, as John describes him in his gospel account, the Word. Jesus is the Word. And he is unpacking. He is delivering to them this teaching, and they're sitting back and going, this, this guy's different. This guy is absolutely amazing as he's on, I, I mean, we've never heard anything like this before. Have you ever had a teacher that just simply made a subject come alive for you? I remember in 12th grade, I took AP English, not because I liked English. I took AP English because there was this carrot dangling out in front of me that said, if you take the class and then you take a test and you score high enough on the test, you get to exempt out of English in college. No brainer, church. So I show up in class to Mrs. Jones, who says, we're going to talk about Shakespeare. And I thought in my mind, this is the worst decision I have ever made in my life. And yet I want you to know that over that year, she made English literature come alive for me. 
I mean, she is unpacking things in there that I didn't even think could be understood about English literature. I mean, she is just, and I fell in love with the classics. I fell in love with Shakespeare. I, church, I love Shakespeare to be or not to be. That is the question. And the picture that's painted here for us in verse 21 and 22 is that the people felt that same sense with Jesus. They were astonished by him teaching them as one who has authority, nothing that they had ever experienced before. Let me ask you this. Are you astonished by Jesus? Or has he just become so familiar in your life that the awe and the wonder, if you're a follower of Jesus, has just left you? You met Jesus, and if we could be honest, you just kind of got over it. Or for you as a believer this morning, are you still just simply in amazement as you consider who Jesus is and what he's done in your life? You look back at where you were before you met Jesus and you go, man, it is absolutely incredible that God took me from there to where I am today and I have simply not gotten over it. As we think through that, You may be here this morning, and for you, you've never come to a point in your life where you've been amazed, astonished by who Jesus Christ is. You come in today, and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, but you're asking questions, and and you're here, and you're wanting to understand more. And here's my prayer for you, that as you hear who Jesus Christ is, that there will be a switch flipped in your heart to where you simply sit back like they did in amazement of the reality of who Jesus Christ is. It's because here's the thing. For every single one of us, if we have a sense of awe and amazement of who Jesus Christ is, we cannot help but share who Jesus Christ is with people that don't know him. We go, I got to tell you about this guy, Jesus, because he's transformed my life. You got to know who he is. You got to realize how amazing he is. Believer, I want to encourage you in your time with the Lord. One of the things that's been the most helpful for me as we think through this is in my Bible reading plan through the year, that I highlight in my Bible. And I use different colors for different things. I use just a regular highlighter color, a neon color, just to, to say, you need to pay attention to this. This is important. And then I use an orange color to highlight verses that I want to memorize personally for myself. And then green, as I walk through and see the promises of God that he makes or he fulfills, highlight those in green. But then there's another color. 
And if you look at the Bible that I use in my personal time with the Lord through the Gospel of Mark, you will see pink highlighter everywhere in there representing the power of Jesus Christ on display. To just simply look and go, he is amazing. He is incredible. He is beyond anything that I could ever imagine. The crowd was astonished by Jesus' authority. But it doesn't stop there. I want you to notice, secondly, that the demon, this unclean spirit, was arrested by Jesus' authority. Verses 23 through verse 27 says, Immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. This man was demon-possessed. And he cried out, verse 24, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Listen to this. I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Now let's just be honest. That's a little bit weird. And yet what we see very clearly in this moment is that there is a kingdom of good. And there is a kingdom of evil. Jesus has already told us earlier in the chapter that he has come to bring heaven on earth. But what we know, and especially if you were with us a few months ago as we walked through the series on the armor of God and preparing spiritually for the battle that we are engaged with, we have an enemy, God's word tells us, that is seeking to still kill and destroy seeking to do everything he can to thwart the plans and purposes of God and distract us and to cause division within the body of Christ as we move forward to accomplish the mission. And here, Jesus encounters this demon-possessed man, and the demon speaks through the man to Jesus. He says, what are you doing here? Notice, he says, have you come to destroy us? And I don't want you to lose sight thinking that maybe he is possessed by multiple demons because this text doesn't say that. What I think is going on here is that he is simply describing the kingdom of evil that he is in. And he is saying in this moment, Jesus, have you come to do what we know you are coming to do? which is to destroy us. And Jesus says in response to him, after he says, you are the Holy One of God, verse 25, Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent. Shut your mouth. That's the force with which He says it. And then he says, 
and come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsing the man and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. Verse 27, in case you were wondering, and they were all amazed. And again, a bit terrified. So that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, listen to this, and they obey him. Church, this is incredible to consider today. It is so easy for us to grow discouraged by the evil that we see in the world around us and lose sight of the reality that Jesus Christ, our Savior, has victory over death, hell, and the grave. There is no one who can stand in opposition to him because he has the authority. I want to ask this question because I think it'll be fun for us to consider this morning. We asked our kids this at one point. If you were getting in trouble, which parent do you wish you were getting in trouble with? Let me just ask you that. If you're going to get in trouble, how many of you would rather dad be the one that you get in trouble with? How many of you say mom all day and twice on Sunday? You know, it's interesting because you look and you think about that and there's a reason why. We asked our girls that. And they said, mom, all day long. It hurt my heart a little bit, right? They said, no, dad, when, when we're in trouble with you, like you, you're serious. Like we know it's on at that point. I want you to know that here, Jesus's authority in this moment gives us a glimpse to the reality that it is on. From this moment moving forward, there will be this struggle taking place through the gospel of Mark where we see the powers of hell doing everything that they can to thwart what Jesus has come to do, which is lay his life down and save sinners. And yet the privilege we have is we know the rest of the story. We know that Jesus does go to the cross for us, that he does lay his life down for us, that he dies there having paid the debt of sin that we owed. But church, he does not stay dead. He rose from the grave on the third day, securing salvation for us, regardless of what the enemy attempts to do. Jesus Christ has won the victory. 
Jesus tells us as much. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, as he's talking with his disciples, and he asks them this question, who do men say that I am? And they relate to him different answers. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah. And Jesus says, who, who do you say that I am? And Peter boldly makes a declaration. He says, you are the Christ. You are the Savior. You are the Son of God. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says to Peter, on this rock, this confessional truth that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, both of those things that Mark wants us to grasp, Jesus says, and on this truth, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Church, hear me this morning. What is going on right now in the life of North River Church is part of the Lord Jesus Christ's plan to build his church. And the encouragement for us this morning as we move forward, as we think about the vision campaign, as we think about ministry, as we think about more people coming to North River Church, what we know is this promise that the Lord Jesus Christ will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That should encourage us this morning as we seek to fulfill this mission. I want you to notice the last verse, verse 28, and consider this third truth. The community was abuzz considering Jesus' authority. It says, at once... At once, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. What you saw on the screen, the map, people were talking about Jesus and his authority. His fame was spreading everywhere. I want you to just think about this little thought experiment for you this morning. What if I told you that I have it on good authority that right down 301 where the Lowe's is and that new shopping center is being built, that there is a Chick-fil-A coming there. And I share that information, church, with you this morning. Say, church, there's going to be, there's going to be a Chick-fil-A within a five-minute driving distance from North River Church. And all God's people said, amen. amen. And imagine I tell the next service so that now there's approximately 600 people in this community in which we live who are heading out of the doors this morning. And all of a sudden, 
you start hearing the buzz in the community. You start looking on Facebook. Somebody says, my pastor told me. And you know he's got to be telling the truth, right? That there is a Chick-fil-A coming right down the road. And people start talking about it. All of a sudden, the entire community is looking around going, Chick-fil-A is coming. be pretty easy to start that and for our whole community to know the information, which begs the question of us, what if 600 of us leave this morning declaring in this community who Jesus Christ is, His authority, His life, his death, his resurrection on our behalf, the salvation gift that is available to each person who does not know him. Church, imagine, just imagine our community abuzz about who Jesus Christ is. You say, pastor, I don't know that it can happen It already has, and it absolutely can. The question is, are we amazed by Jesus enough? Are we in awe of who he is and what he's done enough that it energizes us and challenges us and encourages us as we leave North River Church campus and go into the places that God has called us to be intentional about pointing to the reality of who Jesus Christ is and how he can transform any person's life. May God do a work like that in this community through this body of believers called North River Church. Would you bow your heads with me this morning as our worship team makes their way back up? Maybe you came in today and for you, you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And yet this morning, you realize, you recognize who he is. He is the son of God. He is the savior that you desperately need. If that's where you are this morning, I want to encourage you in just a little bit to come down and grab my hand and just say, Pastor, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. We'd love nothing more than to help you take that step. Maybe you're already a follower of Jesus this morning. But the reality is you have lost your sense of awe and amazement and wonder of who Jesus is and what he's done in your life. And just simply this morning, you want to call out to the Lord and say, God, Help me gain that sense of awe and wonder once again so that I can't help but tell people about who Jesus is. Maybe this morning you want to pray for North River Church 
for all that is coming down the line, for all that God is doing. And just ask the Lord to use the body of believers at North River Church to be so on fire for Jesus Christ that this community is abuzz with the reality of who Jesus is because we can't stop talking about it. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, for how it pierces our hearts. God, how it magnifies your son, Jesus. God, may we sit back in awe and amazement and wonder of who he is and what he's done. We ask this in his name. Amen. Church, would you stand? Our altar is open. You can come down and pray. You can come down and speak with a pastor. But you come this morning as the Lord leads.